right, everybody. It is 9.30 and the kids are asleep. It's time for the Aging Hipster Podcast. This is Bob Serrano. I am joined today by Amanda Rainey. Amanda is a local artist from Buda, Texas, where she... Are you the proprietor of the three Painted Moon Studio? Is that how you'd like to be referred to, Amanda? Sure, yes. That sounds perfect. Let's go with that. (laughs) And she is in here today to go over some of the paintings that have really influenced not only her life, but her own work. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Bob. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm better. I'm on beer number two, so it's much better. Great. And I think the really good stuff is going to happen around beer number three, so... Everyone just, yeah, everyone just hang on. Uh, if you're listening to this, please rate, review, subscribe, keep listening. I promise that I'll get better at this. So thank you for all the support so far. All right, Amanda. So you were given this assignment by me. Being an artist, I was kind of really interested in the pieces of art that really influenced you. And so I kind of had a assignment where kind of pick paintings that kind of reflect the different periods of your life kind of like where you came from what influenced you what be what you became and who you are now and where you're going and it looks like from what you gave me that you are a bit of an overachiever and you gave me more than four that's okay so before we get started uh what did you think about this exercise I thought it was really fun, actually. Um, You know, taking a minute to go back and look at some of the pieces that I remember being really drawn to as a kid, and then even as I was starting to really explore art, and if I wanted to pursue it as something more than just a hobby, you don't, I don't think uh, most times you really stop to think about what it is that influences you so much, you just know you really like something. So it Mm -hmm. it was fun to kind of take a step back and peel away, you know, 20 years and 30 years of just memories. It was uh, quite quite a trip, my friend. (laughs) Well, that's great. And for those listening, I am going to have, or at least try to have links to these pictures in the show notes so you can kind of follow along and look at some of these paintings. So I guess let's uh, get into the first one. Would you like to introduce this, Amanda? Sure. Why don't we start with uh, the, the dark crystal Brian Froud is a fantastic illustrator, and his influence, I would say, predates anything else I can really, you know, wrap my head around, but he was just such a big, big part of helping my internal imagination find another voice. Um, When The Dark Crystal came out, excuse me, I I had just been born, so it Mm -hmm. was, you know, it was kind of this phenomenon, you know, Jim Henson's got all these Muppets and and puppetry and, you know, it's the 80s, so no one's really quite sure what's going on, but uh, first time I saw it, I was six years old, and I just remember being so drawn in. I mean, you could not, you couldn't break me away from it. I was just like, oh my God. Finally, somebody has like sat down in my head. <laughs> <laughs> what really drew drew you to it? Is it the style or yeah, the setting? Yeah, I would think. I mean, really, on the on the illustrator side, like if you just take some of the poster work and the, the artwork from the the creating and the storyboards and a lot of the original uh, first drafts, it's very ethereal. Um, it's reminiscent, actually, a little bit of some of the illustrations with uh, Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. Um, 
but it just has this uh, otherworldliness about it. it. It pulls you away from where you are right in that very moment. And the color palettes are always, they're very gentle, but they have a boldness to them that really comes through. And it's, it's an interesting exercise in stretching your imagination, but giving it a familiar flavor. I mean, the mythology is written in every part of human history, but placing it somewhere else is always fun. But it was just comforting. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, these crazy creatures with elongated spider-like legs and rabbit heads. It was just the most comforting image I'd ever seen. <laughs> I remember it freaked me out. See, and that <laughs> is the, that's usually the response I get. My own children won't watch it with me because they think it's freaking weird and they're, they just, they'd rather not. Right. Um, I, I think it actually my daughter said I gave her nightmares. But... I found it really comforting, and I was just shocked nobody else did. And so, that you, that was six when you were watching this. Uh-huh. When did you really feel like you were concentrating on getting better at art? Oh, so I don't know if that's the right word. If going from like you're just coloring, it is fine, to like I am trying to draw something, right? Create something. Um, yeah. Well, I did a lot of both. Um, mm-hmm. I have always had shit shoved in my bag, whether it's graphite pencils or broken crayons, um, you know, it's always in there because you might want to doodle or just, I don't know, not pay attention in the middle of something and Mm -hmm. bring it to life. Um, I experimented a lot with just throwing shit on paper. I mean, if we were out somewhere and I wanted to try it, I would, you know, try to recreate it at home. And we didn't always have a lot of, the materials that you would need for, let's say, experimenting with oils or acrylics. So I would borrow or recycle. And just in that process, I would get really frustrated because I wanted to do it more, but I had to, you know, really set aside the time to procure resources. And in some fashion, that and realizing that that's how I prefer to spend my time, I really wanted to I wanted to have a space and I wanted to have things that I knew I could go to and, you know, maybe I wasn't very good, but at least it would look a little bit better. It would be on clearer paper. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was a painter. My mother was an artist and a jeweler. And so I would start, you know, can I have this pad of paper? Can I borrow these pencils? You know, because they were nicer and it wasn't the junky stuff I was just using at school. And I also had other artwork in the house and I wanted to very much emulate my grandmother's style and it reminded me a bit the dark crystal reminded me a bit of how my grandmother would paint and I wasn't seeing in what was in my head land on the paper in front of me it didn't matter if it was nicer paper Mm -hmm. it didn't matter if it was my grandmother's paints or pencils instead of mine the image still wasn't it wasn't coming through and it's like okay so it's me (laughs) I was like so now what and that just started opening a lot of opportunities for, you know, failing. Mm-hmm. Just constantly, constantly making it just look terrible. So you grew up in an environment where there's artists every, everywhere, right? Your yes. mother, your father, right? He's a jeweler too. Yes, my dad is um, a jeweler and has been my entire life. My mom is also a jeweler and a certified uh, gem diamond grader. She's also a massage therapist. 
um, <laughs> and certified hippie. Um, my grandmother and my mom and my aunts were also professional belly dancers. Um, I grew up in a household where there were costumes, there were paints, there were drums and guitars, and my father played the guitar as well. Just, there was all sorts of shit happening all the time. Uh, creative expression was not hard to come by in my house, ever. <laughs> um, what was a little bit more rare was structure, um, maybe some organization. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, for the most part, actually, my parents were pretty strict about bedtime. I mean, they did get to a place where like, okay, okay we, we've had enough. Thanks. You're like, Amanda, by midnight, you need to go to bed. You're well, like, we're oh. putting our foot down. Well, because, you know, I talk so damn much. And I mean, this has been a lifelong affliction. Um, <laughs> so they needed some peace and quiet. Not, not the sound of my voice echoing in the rafters. But, um, but yeah, so my grandmother was a belly dancer, um, as well as a seamstress, uh, a painter. She also made ceramic dolls, old fashioned ones, you know, with the very intricate hair and, uh, and Victorian clothing. My mom and my grandmother and my aunts would uh, sew all of their costumes. I mean, these were like handmade works of art in the, f the fabric area. I also, uh, probably up until about the third grade, um, had a lot of like handmade clothes because my mom would like sew stuff. And it was way more fun to like dig around in the clearance bin of the fabric store than, you know, go to the mall. It was also more affordable. Right. But you get to a certain age where um, you're just the weird hippie kid in, in, in some clothes with, you know, some interesting tastes. We'll just, we'll say that. <laughs> All right. So we are transitioning from The Dark Crystal, mm. a very scary movie, except no, to me. Not, no. Um, Have you watched it since? No, I'm scared of it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, no. It's kind of freaky. But, okay, so we go from The Dark Crystal, and what is your next piece of art that you chose? Uh, so we're going to go over here to Frank Frazetta. My uncle, and if, you, if you're looking here, you've got two options, a death dealer, which is kind of, he is an iconic image. It was this whole style of illustration. It's still dark and it's still otherworldly and there's a heavy layer of mythology behind it, but it is, you know, it's relieving that realm, kind of um, curious imagination and hope to kind of really starting to experience and, and really wrap my head more around the other side of it. Mm -hmm. um, this is clearly the teen years. We're just gonna buckle on in. <laughs> you got tigers and vikings and all sorts we got of big black horses with yeah. battle axes dripping in blood it's um, very dramatic i would yes i definitely yes. can appreciate this yes i bet you can um so my my uncle was a drummer in the 80s he played in the heavy metal band and was a big part of the influence of some of my musical tastes as a young kid to a teen took me to one of my first concerts and you know mosh pit and all and he this was the poster in the garage when i was a kid and uh he also had the vhs tapes we're gonna get in your way back machine kids talk about videotapes yeah so he had this vhs and it was the movie heavy metal an animated uh, movie not kid friendly no 
by any stretch of the imagination. But the same animation style really drew from Frank Rosetta and even another segue here, Boris Vallejo and, and Julie Bell, some more of my early mentors. And it just, but it wasn't afraid to be dark and otherworldly and not really asking your permission to believe in it at all. It's like, you're either going to dig this shit or you're not. And that really spoke to me. Gave me that sense of, you know, feeling like I was looking at something that clicked. Mm -hmm. uh, this other image here is the Huntress, and I love Frazetta's figure work. It's, it, just even from an illustrative perspective, it's still, um, there's, there's substance to how he creates a figure in a two-dimensional plane. You know, line work, shadow work aside, I mean, you can really learning how to address your, your subject matter can be a real bitch to, you know, really wrap your head around. And I just love the way he's done it. I always have. It just, it's still, there's a lot of fantasy. It's very, you know, fantastical, but it's solid. And it just kind of grounds you. And it has that wonderful, you know, late 70s nostalgia to it. <laughs> Again, you know, my grandmother's living room was like walking into a, um, I don't know, like a 1972 gift shop. And it looks like uh, from this painting, and I'm no critic by any means, but there's definitely a lot more kind of what's the right word that i'm looking for it's really kind of focusing on kind of the physical form which is something that you uh, focus you know that you include a lot in your pieces yes. of work is this where you're just like dang like the human body is the human body is fucking amazing man yeah. and and really i mean again having having performers in my family um mm -hmm. You know, there's a real awareness to your body, to the physical space you inhibit, how you move, how you, how you adorn it, how how you feel in your own skin. Um, and again, my mom, massage therapist, very body attunement driven. Um, and then just with yeah, with the arts again, you know, these these ideas of the human form, how it moves, how it sits, how gravity pushes and pulls and, and the way that our own imaginations and our own experience here can give you this opportunity to envision like almost a higher consciousness of the body. I mean, if you think about it, if you're looking at this image, the, the Huntress, what is the likelihood you are really going to see a figure in this context with these cyber-tooth tigers? <laughs> Only in my dreams. Only right, my right. Dreams. And, a, and a spear in one hand and not but a flap of skin on a bikini top for the other um, and having complete control not only of the situation and the other bodies that are around you but of your own physical self um, I'm gonna maybe go get a little weird and let me know if I'm rambling or not making I can sense. edit it out so don't worry about it <laughs> but um, you know generally speaking humans the body the whole idea of having one has always fascinated me uh sometimes in a very unhealthy way um you know being over hyper hypercritical hyper aware caring way too much about one thing or the other and then other times to the point where it's real easy to ignore and you know you live too much in your head trying to separate one thing from the other um so as an artist trying to take what we feel in our own skin, how we navigate in our own body, how we use our bones, how we, how we rest, uh, how, we, how we treat this vehicle, and trying to put it out on this 
projector, as it were, and give it a story and give it another opportunity to experience something. You know, I'm not going to go horseback riding uh, in the desert with a battle axe, but wouldn't it be cool to imagine how it feels? So I think in this instance, the ability for an illustrator, specifically in this case, uh, Frazetta, is able to take a very real three-dimensional known entity like the human form and just reimagine it, but yet still keep it familiar. The context of, you know, what's going on around her is crazy, um, but damn, wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> Do you feel like your upbringing is a very kind of open, you're like talking about you know, you got belly dancers, your your mother's a masseuse. It kind of mm-hmm. makes you more receptive towards this sort of art and also expressing yourself that way compared to me, who always grew up with a fair amount of shame, as any good Midwesterner would have. <laughs> right? Like, oh, does yes. that make sense? Yes. Well, so you go to Dark Crystal, which is like almost like a gateway into like, hey, stuff can be a little weird. And, stuff, yeah. And then you get to this point where like it can be weird and naked and beautiful <laughs> and and you're just like yes precisely <laughs> it, i mean really it is it's um yes i grew up in a very open household right. um you know the the rule of my house was that nothing was taboo you had questions you didn't know what was going whatever whatever if they didn't know they were going to do their damnedest to help figure it out. And, and that's something that I know I, Jordan, my husband and I have really tried to also emulate in our own home. But I mean, truth be told, it's like, yeah, there were a lot of things about my childhood that were extremely mundane, very boring, very predictable. Um, you know, you can pepper in a healthy dose of, you know, teen angst in the midst of this timeline. Um, That's the best. I know, right? It's like, oh, it's the flavor we all know. It's like, it's like strawberry or chocolate ice cream. (laughs) It's like everybody, everyone's at it. Right, and you were even in like what Plano, Texas, right? At this, at this time, which is pretty Plano, Texas in the nineties. Yeah, I guess you can't find anything more suburban, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it was a strange suburban. It was, um, you know, I was born and raised in Texas, um, and. There's a certain there's a certain level of shame almost attached to you know being in the South and having um, a more progressive well shit yeah if I, get t- <laughs> if I get tired enough or enough beers then yes that that y'all really sticks in and shows up with a heavy force but yeah I mean my friends' moms were not dancers and jewelers and. You know, I mean, all, all, of, all of these things. I mean, again, a healthy dose of connections to uh, folks who live similar lifestyles, but not, not to the same context that had been much earlier in my life when my parents were still married. Uh, they actually, they got divorced when I was like 12. And, you know, we moved to Plano and started over there, lived with my, my aunt for a while. But um, I really just really dove headfirst into the art because it, when... When you're in front of the easel, when you're in front of your your pad of paper, or whatever it is that is giving you that opportunity to focus, you can be exactly as you need to be, however it is you want to be, because that's your space, that's your world. And when you had other examples of folks who understood it, embraced it, um, 
tried to make it their own and and then also share that and wanting to continue that tradition and emulate it as well it was it was very comforting and you know I, I say it all the time I've seen a lot of weird and some weird is totally weird to me and new to me but I still am fascinated by it and it intrigues me um, as an artist to have that conversation because that's what a painting is at least for myself it's it's a conversation with either another opportunity to experience yourself or someone else, an idea, I don't know, another plane of existence. I mean, we can, we can levitate up there and, and <laughs> live up in the clouds for a bit if you want. I'll go there. It's fine. But yeah, it just, it gave me a place to go. And I was very fortunate that I was embraced with that at home. You know, I mean, I trust me, I definitely have my family members that were like, oh, God, yeah. Not pick up a, a book. Yeah, or, yeah. or put the book down. Yeah, put the book down. Put put down that weird book and pick up the correct book, the good book. Oh, oof. Oof. but oh, uh, there's plenty but of I, that. I think it. I think it makes sense. So, like, it, this is obviously going into Plano, where you definitely don't really. You're not coming from a really standard, I guess, upbringing. If anything, you know, right. that this art allowed you to have an anchor that just all this weirdness that you saw around that you're able to stick with as all the waves of suburbia washed over you and yeah, all the horribleness. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and how much can you really complain? You know, you're, you're middle-class, white, yeah. no, you're suburban right. America. And, you know, the it's like, oh, things are hard. No, well, I mean, yeah, things are always like, hard when always you're a high hard. schooler. You know, like... <laughs> sometimes you need that thing you kind of want to put high school you in a little pocket until them to like sit down and just just chill for a minute you know i always wanted to find a time machine that i can jump in and go back to high school because i would just i would just rule it and you know i would really nail it this time All right, so let's uh, proceed on. So we're uh, leaving Frank Frazetta, and mm-hmm. what's next? Uh, well, you know, we've got a few more images here. That are, they're in that same time period. You've got uh, oh, okay. Slayer by uh, Boris Vallejo, and then Touch of Freedom, which was, a, I believe, a collaboration between him and his wife, Julie Bell. But also just, you know, really in that same vein. I just, if you, when you look at these, you know, anyone around in the 70s will have instant recognition i mean these are album covers and sci-fi fantasy books and magazines you know posters and someone's van i'm sure (laughs) um i know my uncle definitely had one of them in the garage but um you know they just yeah they were they were a great space so the next one we'll go up to here are actually two pieces by my grandmother uh carol and uh, she actually recently just passed away just about two months shy of her 80th birthday and she was really i credit her with a lot of my dedication to my own process both in how i prepare my space when i get ready to work um how i clean my brushes i mean half of my studio is is her stuff. It's, it's her brushes, her one of her easels, um, several canvases she never got to. Work she half finished, um, and a, oh God, a shit ton of paint. I mean, I, I spent a month just going through paint, finding stuff that was, you know, no good and spoiled and smelled like dead raccoons. And 
-hmm. who knows what. Excuse me. But um, so this first piece is actually a piece that I saw so much as a kid. Uh, It hung in her living room. It didn't matter where she lived. It, It was always one of the pictures in the front room. But I never knew what it was called. I just always called it the lightning painting. But it's one of her examples of her nighttime landscapes. It's this heavy storm in the distance. She loved Bob Ross, so you can see that here. Lots of trees. Lots of happy trees, mountains. There's lightning coming to burn them down. (laughs) It is kind of funny because it's kind of like Bob Ross, but not so happy. No, there's no happiness here. It's like Bob Ross's uh, dark side, you know? Yeah. Um, And... And I loved it. I connected with it so much because my grandmother's artwork was very, as she did gorgeous portrait oil paintings where, I mean, they looked like photographs, um, beautiful flowers. And she would paint on glass and porcelain dolls. I mean, just a real, she had a really um, fantastic touch for realism and her, her oil work. I just, I was always really drawn to it. So I, I loved seeing that she could get dark and that she would let herself go there and just endeared me to her more not only because she's the one here you know we're watching bob ross in her kitchen with cappuccinos at four o'clock in the afternoon and i'm cleaning brushes and her big ass massive dogs are drooling in your lap (laughs) and you know we're just watching bob paint happy trees but i've got this big painting in her living room that's actually it's in my house now and it is just so, it's so dark. And for her, it was just so dark. And she could be that way. And and it was my first real opportunity to see that you could, you could have both. You could experience the light, the dark. You could play with that in your artwork as well as in your, your everyday. As a performer, she could, she could turn a switch so fast and give you a completely different side of her. And it just fascinated me as a kid. I mean, what, what kid doesn't look up to their grandmother, especially if they're storytellers, right? You're just going to be at the mm-hmm. at the lap of a woman who could just weave words like they were nothing. So I love having this piece in my home. I'm, I'm actually trying to, you know, repair it. it. It went through some damage in storage. I put it in a new frame, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's Bob Ross dark. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other uh, painting you have, Seems definitely pretty familiar because I know it seems like that kind of pose you've used before, correct? I, I have, actually. Yeah, so um, my gran was also really gifted, again, and she did a lot of portraiture work, but uh, figure work she was great with as well. And this is a print. My mom has the original, but it's a charcoal figure drawing. It's just a, nude, a woman in nude reclining. And... Um, it's actually, it's a, it's a piece that everyone in the family just loves. We just, again, this, this hung up in my aunt's hallway as a kid. Like I'd walk down the hallway to, you know, go take a shower in the bathroom or something. And that painting was right there. We just, you know, we've, again, an artist family, you know, human body wasn't exactly something that you got, you know, silly about, but we had, you know, like drawings and paintings. And I just love the way that my, again, my grandmother could depict someone comfortable in their own skin. And that became a huge uh, part of my narrative as a teen and a young young adult um, was learning how to be comfortable in your own skin, how to find a way to settle into that and own it. I don't know, move forward, you know, try to make make some make a bigger story with it. And being able to do that in in art is 
a fantastic um, exercise in storytelling. Um, a lot of the figure models that I use, performers, uh, mostly underground performers with burlesque, um, circus, a lot of, a uh, good number of my models are physically disabled sometimes. Um, and I just, I love having a really large array of you know, stories to help be a part of. Um, I don't know, it's, I, I guess it's just part of, you know, where you come from and having a, an open experience to that. And this piece, I don't know, again, it was just always really comforting. It was something that you saw and she looks so happy. She's so relaxed. She's just, she's happy to be there, man. I mean, who doesn't want to feel that every day and just be like, yep, this is it. <laughs> Thank you.